Um, and then I just felt to speak uh, a little bit on finances today because there's such a, a wrong understanding about it. And, you know, I speak about it and then I think people listen to the CDs <laughs> or the, the, the messages on the web. Uh, but then, you know, when it gets old, people only look at the new messages. So it's still there. But I just felt to... Donkey my Liffy. We got a bit of background music just to make the thing work. <laughs> yeah, just to get the anointing to flow, to get the presence. And if there's no background music, God cannot move, you know. <clears throat> and my wife thought I didn't, don't have an anointing, so she's going to... You know, there's nothing like a good wife. Hallelujah. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I just felt to, to speak a little bit uh, on this. You know, I watched on, on television again, the, you know, one of these mission weeks where the money gets raised, the, the funds get raised. And uh, it is such a lot of death. And uh, people that are going through hard times, and uh, even if you watch by the internet, if, if you're going through hard times, um, Financially, you, you, you will be so vulnerable to these kind of a teachings because when you are suffering, it's, uh, you, you don't think normally anymore. You're going through hard times. You, know? you are going through a time where the, the, the finances speak so loud and you just want to get rid of this pressure so you will be willing to do anything you know, whatever you think God wants you to do, you'll do it. And uh, that gets used so many times, you know, by, by, uh, by people. Sometimes willingly, you know, knowingly, uh, other times from ignorance, where the desire in people's hearts, the hunger for having more, is used as the motivator to get money into the kingdom of God. You know, and uh, to see the manifestation of, of giving and generosity. And uh, that kills people. It hurts people. It brings a wrong mindset of who God is and robs people from a love relationship with God. You know? I put something on Facebook last night and I said, um, if you are into sowing and reaping, you are actually... If you say, I believe, I need a sow to reap, you're actually speaking your heart or your belief, which is that you believe that you don't, you're not going to have, and therefore you need to do something to have. And from that mentality, you will always, from that belief, you will always live with a lack mentality. You know, and you'll always have to do something so that you can have in the future. I do believe in sowing and reaping. God gave His Son, He sowed His Son, and we reap the benefit. And we've got access into that by faith. And that's it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So, uh, let's quickly go to um, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Those of you that are watching via the internet... Um, I think it will be good if you take your Bible and you read these verses. You can just uh, pause the video whenever you want. Uh, go and read the verse that you can see it for yourself. Uh, you, you can go to 2 Corinthians 5. I'm also going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 6. 
the best teaching on finances, Matthew chapter 6. And this is what, what, what God says when it comes to finances. I want to just say this, you know, in this economic time where everything goes so bad, in the beginning I was really suffering, you know, but now, you know, I was suffering in the sense of I didn't have a lot of money, but the contentment in my heart made me not feel it. It was um, as if, well, I don't need a new this, or I don't need another that, or if I cannot go and preach at, at, at another place, that's fine, then I stay at home. Because, the, and I want to say this, you know, and, and this last night I got, it, I got this in my mind. God does not demand prosperity from us. God does not even demand signs, wonders and miracles from you. Not that we will not have signs, wonders and miracles. Not that we will not have prosperity. But it's not as if God says, well, I give you these things in Jesus, and I want to see these things now manifest in your life, so you better measure up to this standard, and you better do it, because I demand to see these things from you. It's like me uh, uh, buying my, my son a bicycle and a PSP, and a this, and a this, and a this, and then I tell him, I demand you play with all these things every day. I demand that. You know what? He's living in a jail. He's living in a jail. Because he's got a master that gave him everything and demands it from him. The fact that God gave us prosperity, the fact that God gives us signs, wonders and miracles, doesn't mean God sits in heaven looking, are you going to do these things that I gave to you freely now? No, no, no. We are in a relationship with God. You know, it's not a demand. It's something that is given for free. Um, I also said it this way, you know, when you get on an airplane and you fly, especially these interna- international flights, you know, the vision of that flight is not to get a little toothbrush and toothpaste and socks and thing you put over your eyes. That's not the vision of the flight. The vision is to get to another country. And what we've done is we've taken the things which we get as, as a given, which is signs, wonders, miracles, financial uh, prosperity, peace, contentment, and all those kind of things, and we've made that the goal. The goal is to try and prosper. And how are we going to use our faith now to get this, om hierdie te kry, what is it in English? Aerostes, to get her to give me the socks. That's not the vision. The vision is not to get the socks. And then you find the people in the first class, they get a, a toothbrush that's made out of stainless steel. And the one in the back gets one that's made out of plastic. And then you feel in your heart, my goodness, look at what he got and look at what I got. Uh, you know, and then you get jealous and you feel, well, if I one day have enough faith, I can also fly first class. And I can also feel better about myself. Completely forgetting the goal. The goal is not to have a toothbrush on the airplane. The goal is to get to another country. That's the goal. Amen. God's goal, the signs, wonders and miracles, we have it. I prayed for Yana last week. Yes, she said, healed by the supernatural power of God. My son last night, he had a, a, a fever. You know, I prayed for him, instantly healed. It's not that we are against these things, but that's not the goal. It's just the two. And we judge one another looking at what ability the other one has and then we measure 
who we are by how much money this one has, how much gifting that one has, and we always live with this mentality of, I wish I can someday get to a higher place of higher anointing. What about having the gift of contentment, living in the peace of God and having a love relationship with God, having the confident expectation that in the return of Christ I will be immortal forever with Jesus. Where these things will fall away. Amen. I will say it this way. If, if you go through a hard time now, in the light of eternity, in the light of eternity, what is it? It's just nothing. It's just nothing. In the light of eternity, in the light of immortality, which is the true promise of God to every person, what is it? It's just nothing. It's just nothing. But I went through a divorce, but my child was sick, but I lost my job, but I this, but I this. Okay, it happened to you in this world. Can, can you be provided for in this world? Yes. Why did I go through these things? Ask yourself this question. In the light of eternity, what is it? It's absolutely nothing. It is nothing. <laughs> because we are now in a broken world with a God that loves us, and if we want to use the broken world as the standard of God's love for us, my goodness, man, you're going to be condemned all the time. The place where you're not supposed to be condemned is in the presence of God. Because He's not a sin-conscious God, for Jesus took away the sin of the world. Amen. Right, Matthew 6. This is the best verse on money in the Bible. We're going to go to Corinthians now. First Matthew 6 here, just quickly. Wherefore, um, I'm going to read from, let's read from verse 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, for you to understand that verse, you need to get last Sunday's message. Sorry, I can't re-preach it. <laughs> Because the Jews had a certain concept about money. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor of your body, what you shall put on, is not life more than meat and the body than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not... Much better than they. Hallelujah. So if you sit with the principle of sowing and reaping, I must sow so that I can reap one day, that God can give me something. I want to tell you, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. And they do not reap. Neither do they gather into bonds. Yet... And then he explains provision. Your heavenly Father, your Father, cares for the birds. How much more will not care for you? What did the prodigal son say when he, when he came back to the Father? He said that the slaves even have more than enough to eat. Why? Because of the goodness of the Father. Not because they sow every week. They weren't allowed to sow. The, the land is not their land. If you would, as you're going to get trouble. You can't do that. I know they want to do it in South Africa now, but you can't do it. You're going to get trouble. <laughs> Amen. 
They did not sow. The slaves had more than enough. And we are not even slaves. We are sons. Our father is even good for those who's got a slave mentality. We can actually put it this way. Look at those that believe in sow and reap. That's under the slavery of if I, if I, if I give, I'll get. And God even cares for them. Which are in slavery. Why are you fretting? You know, you've got a father that's good for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's a different principle. It says, look at the birds of there. They neither sow nor reap, neither they gather into bonds, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They don't follow the principle of sowing and reaping, but God cares for them. And listen to this. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So what do we do when it comes to money? We study out His righteousness. His kingdom. The Bible says the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What do we do? We study out how righteous He is so that you can know how righteous you are. You study out how, how sure His provision is so that you can know how sure yours, your provision is. You study out what true life is, which is His life, so that you can have a different definition of life. That your life is not defined. The Bible says a man's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? One's life does not consist out of the abundance of your possessions. But our life consists out of who Jesus is. Who He is is who you are. When we study that out, we find an inner peace that, that, that saturates our life. You know, and blesses us above all understanding. And that's where Paul comes and he speaks to Timothy. He says to Timothy, there are those that say, gain, financial gain. That's the Greek word for financial gain. Gain is godliness. Okay? Gain is godliness. That word gain is only used twice in the Bible. And it's used in Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6 verse 5 and 6. It's only used twice. And he says, there are those that think that gain is godliness, but they are wrong. But contentment with godliness is great gain. Talks about financial gain. Why? Because once you became content, not by your willpower, but as a result of a revelation of the loving care of God for you, the fruit of contentment is in your heart. Your heart has come to a place of belief. Of eternal provision. Because of who He is. And that brings great gain. I want to explain it this way. You know, it's, when you... A, a, a guy that's stressed out, you know, that wants a job. And he goes and asks for a job. The person that interviews him feels the tension. He feels it. He feels this guy's stressed out. He feels this guy's desperate. He feels, and he starts to think, but what's wrong? You know, something's not right. Even if you do a business deal. But when that contentment is in your heart, we're just talking very practical now. The person on the other side feels a peace. He feels something. He knows, if I don't give him a job, he's going to get a job at another guy, and then I'm going to miss out. That's the feeling he gets. And he says, I want you. And I believe that this is the, 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 the whole mentality. Once contentment has set, set into our heart, we can make our request known to God from a platform of, even if we don't get it, it's okay. We know we'll have it, but even if we don't get it, that's also okay. 
And that's true peace. That is true peace. It's no pressure. Because what happens if we live with this thing, God must give me this financial breakthrough, and our faith is towards that financial breakthrough, and we pray, and we fast, and we try to get the breakthrough, and it doesn't happen within the time span that we think. What happens then? Introspection. Then we start to look at our works. We start to look at what we've done wrong. We try to bind the devil. Because our subconscious mind actually believes the devil is now orchestrating all these things. It's funny, you know, you can confess wrong, or you can confess right for many years. And then say one wrong thing, and then people believe that that one wrong word cancels out all the good you've said. But what about, you've said everything wrong all the time, and God spoke one correct word. His name is Jesus. Isn't Jesus the word of God? Listen, you can say whatever you want, but when God spoke, hallelujah. (laughs) Listen, you can come in business, it works like this. Everybody says the deal is through, but then the boss says no. Then the deal's not through. Everybody says whatever they want, but God says you're blessed. One word has silenced every other word. People say, but... I, I watched this thing on, on TV the, uh, yesterday. You know, on, on Christ's cake, they, 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 they are now binding the uh, Freemasons. My brother. They really, it is, I mean, I remember, listen, I can honestly say, I've already bound the Freemason spirit when I believed in it. The thing is now bound, man. You know, but they keep on binding it. It is the way it is. Why? Because there's a belief that that thing can bring a curse on me. Who can curse what God has blessed? Who can curse what God has blessed? If the, if the devil says, the Freemasons curses you, but God says, here is my word. My word is you are blessed. What are you, cursed or blessed? What would be a curse? A curse would be not to believe that you're blessed. That would be a true curse. And that's the curse that people are under, not believing what God has spoken. I want to tell you, God loves you. And Jesus Christ was enough to provide for you in every area of your life. Be it in finances, be it in the, in the emotion of contentment, be it in joy, peace, whatever there is. Even if I must lose everything, you know what's going to happen? In the time when I sit with nothing, I will have joy in my heart for God will empower me to do everything. This is what Paul says. He says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And the context is, when I was rich, I was happy. When I was poor, I was happy. For there's a different level of life that I live from. Amen. And then Paul comes and he explains how God provides. He says, my God will meet all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He did not say, but my God will meet all your need according to His riches in glory by your faithfulness, by your sowing, by your tithing, by your giving. He did not say that. He said, by Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, eternal life is in Christ. And by faith we have access to the eternal life. So I am not trying from a perspective of death to, to copy God or to copy the attributes of a person that has got life in him. 
Listen to this. I'm not standing in death. Now I'm trying to copy a man's actions that's actually got life in him. And then think I'm going to have this life manifesting me. No way. That's not what, what the Bible is about. We, when, when, when Jesus rose from the dead, and I'm going to talk about that in the message that I actually want to talk about today. When that, when that comes to your life, you know, you find that you have the life of God living in you, giving you being. Amen. And that's where our money comes from. It's so much different than standing on this side trying to persuade a God to bless you. My goodness, man. God was persuaded of your value while you were a sinner. He gave His Son when you were a sinner. The Bible says, For God so agape the world. The word agape means to be content with, to see no need to investigate. That's what the, the word content means. Content means to see no need to investigate. I don't have to investigate this thing. It's already good enough. It's like I said last time, it's like Audi. If Audi brings out a new car, you don't have to test drive the thing. Just buy it. It is good. No need for investigation. In the same way, when we were even in the world, in our sin, and God looked at us, He saw, He said, no need to investigate if they are valuable enough to give my son. He says, they're valuable enough. Because God knew that we were just a valuable person under something that kills us. He never confused us with what killed us. But we are confusing who we are with what kills us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And that's how God comes in. And from that perspective, He provides for us. Second Corinthians, quickly, and then we're going to go to something else. You know, Second Corinthians chapter 9. Um, talks about sowing and reaping. And I want to just explain this verse because it brings confusion in the hearts of many. First thing we must realize, the Bible says, because we believe, we speak. It doesn't say, we speak and then we believe. Because we believe, we speak. Why? Because that's how God is. God first believed, then He spoke. So, if you want to understand the Bible, first believe what God believes, then you'll understand what He said. <laughs> you can't say, well, I'm going to try and understand. You, you first have to, you know, the human being works like this. He can only see what he believes. You know, I can take this verse, I believe, you don't have to sow to reap. You don't have to give money to get God to give you money. I believe God gave His Son so that we can be provided for. And He provides from His being. That's what I believe. I do believe in giving. I do believe in generosity and all those kind of things. But I don't believe I have to, that my receiving is connected to my giving. It's like I said this morning, on the, you, you, know, um, you can only see what you believe. It's like, say you believe that you need to do, to get God to do something. It would be like, um, every night, say every night I pray. And every time, every morning, when I wake up, you know, in the morning, at about 7 o'clock, you find the dog barks outside at the postman that comes past. Okay? Now, I come to the conclusion. If I pray every night, the dog will bark in the morning. My prayer and the dog's barking has got nothing to do with each other. Nothing. 
You know, you can look at my life and you can analyze my life. I preach here every Sunday, you know. Every Sunday, uh, um, and then every Monday, my kids go to school. Now I come to this conclusion. If I preach every Sunday, then the kids will go to school on Monday. So make sure you preach every Sunday so that your kids can go to school on Monday. Things have got nothing to do with each other. The fact that I'm a giver, or that the person is a giver, and the fact that God provides doesn't mean these things are linked together. Doesn't mean these things are linked together. Why do we want to link these things? It's got nothing to do with each other. Giving has got to do with the nature of God that's inside a person which is called generosity. Called love for the lost. So that, so that money can be given to a preacher so that he can preach the gospel all over the world. He doesn't have to have a full-time job so that, he, so that more people can be reached investing in the spreading of the gospel. Born from a heart of generosity. I mean, that is, well, that's what, what, what giving is. Receiving, what has receiving has got to do with? The receiving has got nothing to do with your giving. It's got to do with a father that loves you, that sees you as valuable, and you resting your mind in that he cares for you. Why do you want to link these two things? You can't link it. Now, but the Bible says, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. My goodness, let's read that verse. Verse 6, 1 Corinthians, oh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that sows, and he that which sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Now, I mean, that verse just like confuses everything. It's like God said, in Jesus, God inspired Jesus to say, look at the birds, they don't sow and reap, yet I feed them. And then God repented and later gave another revelation to Paul and told Paul, tell the people I've changed. If they sow bountifully, they'll reap bountifully. And they can give now because this principle works. They don't have to think, they don't have to look at the birds anymore. They can now look at this principle. If that is how it sounds, you know, it means you don't understand something. Let's first look at what God believes, then we read the scripture. And then we'll clearly see what is written there. He goes on, uh, we can first also read, uh, let me just give a little bit of background here. The background of this is, if you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the people in Corinth was very rich. They promised money for the poor churches in Jerusalem. They promised money. This is, we're going to give you money. And they made a big promise. And then other people heard of this promise. Then they were very happy about this. And this message of the church in Corinth that promised a lot of money to the, to the people in Jerusalem came to the ears of the poor churches in Macedonia. This is chapter 8 verse 1 now. Then the poor churches of Macedonia got so happy to give to the poor churches in Jerusalem that they gave even above their own ability. And then the poor churches in Macedonia said, well, this is so good news, we hear, Paul, that you guys are now going to Corinth to collect everything that these people in Corinth has promised. But now Paul was a bit stressed. So he writes to them, he says, listen, you have promised, but we have not seen anything. 
And it's all, almost a year now. And we've got these people that on your promise to give was ignited to want to give. And now they're coming with, and how's it going to look if they come to you now, and now you that made the promise don't give anything. And you are rich. And the poor was ignited by what you started, and now you give nothing. That will really look bad. So we tell you beforehand, we are coming. So now give bountifully. Okay, because these people are coming as you feel in your heart. And now he explains this. And this is the, the background. Now we get to the verse. It says um, in verse 6, But I say unto you, he which sows sparingly um, shall also reap sparingly. He which gives bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purpose in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Not because you feel I need to. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God, now listen, he, he says, this I say, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you, you reap bountifully. And now he explains what he means. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So he says, grace will supply to you that you will have all sufficiency. Okay, meaning God will make grace abound to you that you can have financial prosperity by grace. So that you will have enough that you can also abound in good works. So God says by grace, He says, I want to explain to you sowing and reaping. This is what Paul says. God will give you grace. By grace you can abound. So that you can also abound in good works. So what is actually saying, by grace God will give to you. So that what is given can now be used in, in the area of good works. Because you lack good works. If you, I, I don't have enough time to go all of this because he said, the poor churches are very rich in giving and you are rich in money but you are poor in good works. Okay, so he says God will make it possible for you to have enough finances so that you can also be rich in good works. Okay, that's what he says there. Verse 9. As it's written, now a further explanation, he has uh, dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. What does that mean? He says God will give you more money by grace so that you can be good to these other people that are poor, that you promised. Remember, it was not put upon them, they willfully felt to give it to the poor was not of necessity. If I come here and I tell you, listen man, we must give to Zambia out of necessity. You better give. You better support this. Like, let, let me tell you something. You are under necessity. If I tell you, if you don't give here, you know, you are sowing sparingly and you are not going, God's not going to provide for you tomorrow because you're not working His principles. I am making this a necessity thing. Even you that watch by the internet, you know in your heart it's a necessity thing. You feel, I must, otherwise I will not have. All of a sudden, your future is not in the hands of a loving father, but in your ability to do good to others today. Amen. As it's written, he has, this, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, um, his righteousness remains forever. That's a quote from Psalm 112 and also a quote from Proverbs, which means the following. If you 
He says, if you sow, and if you don't go and study that in the Old Testament, you'll struggle to understand this. He says, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. And in the bountiful side thing as well. He says, it is just like this. It's like the proverb says, he's given to the poor, his righteousness will remain forever. That does not mean you'll be righteous before God because you've given. The righteousness is in the eyes of those that you've given to. So, if you give to the poor, the poor will always see you as a good man. The context here is, if we come to you and you've promised and you don't give, how will these people look at you? If you can give bountifully, your righteous act that you've done will be forever in the eyes of these people that look at you that you've promised. You can say, badly, but that cannot be. The next verse is it clear. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for food. Now remember, if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. So you give a lot, then that will be multiplied and you'll receive a lot. Now he explains it. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food. I think the message is this way. He says, he that gives seed to the sower changes it and it becomes bread for other people. So to the one he gives seed, but that seed becomes what? Bread on our table. So it's the seed gets a different form. Okay? Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So he says, what will God do? By grace, he will empower us, empower the people in Corinth, to have enough finances, so they can give bountifully, so that God, in doing that, multiplies what? The fruit of their righteousness, which was what? Generosity. So, the more you give, the more you'll be seen as generous. The less you give, the less you will reap in the eyes of people in the area of generosity. That is what that verse means. It starts in chapter 8. It's not, you don't, you don't read chapter f- uh, verse 5 and you say, well, if you sow, there God says, if you sow bound, my goodness, that is not what it means. That's just stupid to read it that way. The context is the view of people. And he says clearly there, grace will give you money if you can then, from a willing heart, give bountifully. That which you've given bountifully will be changed into fruit of righteousness. What is the fruit of my righteousness? I've got a righteous act in giving. What's the fruit of that righteousness? If you read on, it says there, it will generate worship in the hearts of people towards God. That's what it says. If you read it on, I don't have time to read it on, but that's what it says. So, if I give bountifully... What will, I, what will be reaped? We will reap great worship towards God in the hearts of people that receive it. That's what we... But Betty, if I give, then my money is gone. The Bible says <laughs> very clearly, His grace will meet your need. Just don't get into the law. <laughs> my goodness, get, stay in grace. The message of His provision for you. But Betty, the Bible clearly says in Ephesians... In, in, in Galatians, you know, 
If you sow to the flesh, from the flesh you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, from the spirit you'll reap everlasting life. There's sowing and reaping. Yes, but what is flesh and what is spirit? Chapter 3 explains flesh and spirit. Flesh means to give yourself to the doctrine of circumcision. And the law. Spirit means to believe in Jesus. Just before that it says the fruit of the flesh is all these sins. The fruit of the spirit, belief in Christ, are all these things. So if we give our lives to and we invest in the preacher that preaches the law to me, what will happen? I will have death for I stand under what he teaches. But if I support and, and I stand for and I partner with the preacher that preaches grace and I embrace his gospel, what will happen? The gospel of life will give me life. That's what it says. You can only reap either life or death. Simple. There is not such a teaching in the Bible as if you give money, God's going to give you money. There's not one verse like that in the whole Bible. There's a lot of verses that says God will be good to you. There's a lot of verses that says He'll meet your need according to His riches in His glory by Christ Jesus. Paul says, not that I want the gift, but I want the fruit that abounds to your account. Okay, so what we say is, he says, I want the fruit. The fruit, what fruit? Generosity that abounds to your account. That word account is not the Greek word bank account. It's the Greek word logos, which means word. I want great fruit about on the word that you believe and the word that there is about this church. Amen. That's how I also feel about the church. When I, over, over the web, that's how I feel about the, the, the Grace Church. My heart is to see people free from obligation, give bountifully, so that those that receive that finances, the poor and the people that hear the gospel, can have great worship towards God. And that the message of grace can be seen as a message of love and goodness. Amen. But for me to push, the moment I push people into giving, I've lost it all. It's just as good as just leave it. Because now it was not on the basis of free will. It's not the fruit of God. It is human, it's humans under the pressure of and manipulation and control and fear. You know, there are many people that don't even believe in God and they do so well financially. Last night I spoke to a guy from Newark. He said to me, you know, I was doing so well financially until I got to the church and I started and I was happy with what I have. My business was doing so well and then I got into sowing and reaping. I got into tithing to get more and my heart started to believe that I don't have enough and I need to get more. And when I believed I don't have enough, you know what happened to me? I lost it all. I lost it all. And thank you, Bertie, for what you teach on finances. This is what the guy said to me. I got to a place of contentment in my life, and my business is doing well now. And he's a giver now. Not to get. He's a giver born from generosity. Hallelujah, man. Thank you, Jesus. So, can the two of you guys just come? I want to pray for you. And... Um, We've, we stand, there's a God in our midst that lives within us. Amen. That provides for us. That cares for us. Hallelujah. And we know, and, and this is what the Bible says, we've got the Spirit of God in us that will raise us up into immortality. 
So this power in us is available for showing and manifesting that, that immortality right now in certain areas of our life, basically as an advertisement for what is to come. And we can make use of the resurrection power of Christ and they can be resurrected into a good job where they, they can be provided for financial and everything. Amen. So we make use of that. And we stand in the presence of God that wants to supply. And this is what the Bible says, those that believe. In other words, those that make use of what God has done. They receive it. They will have it. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you right now that I can just lay my hands on these two people. And with the congregation here and uh, in your presence, we thank you, my God, that we can say that they do have a good job. Free from sowing and reaping. Free from tithing. Free from giving. Because of a God that loves, that raised us up from the death and from the dead. We, you were raised up and the power of your resurrection raises them up into having good financial provision. They live in a place of contentment. They, it's not as if they say, I must have a job. I don't know what I'm going to do, my God. You know their hearts. There's a contentment, but we are in the presence of a God that says, make your desire known to me, rest in me, and I shall bring it forth. So I just declare that nothing, no man, no devil, no situation, nothing can stop it, for this is not just a mere supplying of a job. This is God's resurrection power raising them up into the provision created by Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. It is yours. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to create something in the spirit world by uh, uh, meditation or anything. You, we enter into the world you created by the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you, Father. You provided for in Jesus' name. That job is yours in Jesus' mighty name. You cared for. Father, I also pray for people that sit here and over the web that are in financial distress. And I just tell you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you have a Father that said, don't worry about these things. Rather, seek how righteous Jesus is, for His righteousness is your righteousness. Rather seek how you do weigh up to the standard to receive. Rather seek how you are cared for by God. Rather seek not what you must do to get God to provide for you. Rather seek what God did in Christ to provide for you free from your efforts. And I come right now by the powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit and I stretch my hands forth to the people in front of me and watching over the web and I say in the name of Jesus Christ you are raised up into the truth of God which is true blessing, contentment and financial blessing in Jesus' mighty name. You are cared for by who God is. You are provided for in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God.